As a kid, have you ever wondered how to make your ideas come to life? Welcome to Spark, a podcast that empowers kids to learn, create, and become. Tune in weekly to hear great ideas. Wouldn't it be great if we could sell all of these toys and make money, and then use that money to bring books to the kids in India? It's about passion. Well, whatever your passion is, just keep following it. If A nine-year-old like me could follow my passion. Anybody could do it. I started following my passion when I was three and a half. It's about taking risks, especially as a middle schooler. Is you have to recognize that you have more time and more ability to take risks than anyone else. And it's about knowing how to deal with no's. I have a saying that says no is just an abbreviation for next opportunity. And so after every no, after every ten no's. You're still gonna get a yes. It can be a simple yes. It can be a really big yes. Listen to real stories about the impact you can create as a kid. I truly believe that anyone at any age can make a difference.、Um, you know, if you would have asked me and my parents if little five-year-old Catherine would have continued、uh, her fundraising efforts for so so many years and made such a big impact, we would have said, "What are you talking about? Like, there's no way that's gonna happen." And also encouragement from other kids to pursue your dreams and giving back. You're never too young or too old to start a business, or you're never too young or too old to give back to charity because it's very helpful for the kids in need. All kinds of real stories about kids and adult creators who have made real impact in the world. If you want to be inspired, subscribe to Spark. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spark. I'm the host Lee.、Uh, it is great to invite Dr. Dennis Leakey, the founder and co-director of the Met School, the co-founder of Big Picture Learning, and founder and president of College Unbound. Dr. Leakey holds a double PhD degree in psychology and education from the University of Michigan. For over forty years. Dennis Leakey has been reimagining education and preparing students for success in high school and beyond. He was described as a influential thinker and radical educator who has who has been not just reimagining but recreating education. He is nationally known for his extensive work in secondary education in urban, suburban, and rural settings. So, from 2000 to 2010, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave Big Picture Learning 20 million dollars to replicate the Met School nationally and internationally.、Um, currently, there is a network of 113 schools, 22 across the country, 40 in Australia, and 21 in the Netherlands. Not to mention the dozens of awards and recognition he got over the years. So, hello, Dr. Licky. Wonderful to have you on Spark. I'm so excited to invite you as part of our Change Makers in Education series. First of all, can you introduce yourself and also the schools that you have built over the years? Hi, Lee. Thank you very much.、Um, so, I started. I got a very lucky opportunity when I was twenty-seven years old to start a brand new school、um, in Long Island, New York. And I thought I knew a lot. I didn't know a lot, but I knew a lot in theory. And so the opportunity to hire thirty teachers, 
build a building, start a school was fantastic. Um, and I did that school um, for six years. Never thought I'd be a principal. I'm trained as a psychologist, but that got me excited. And I used my skills before that as a community organizer. And then I was running a teacher training program and I saw this new school and I go, wow, what an opportunity to start something from scratch as a youngster. Um, so I did that. I'm one of those people that work every second. Um, that's my commitment. It's what I love. It's my passion. So I've been a hundred hour a week person since I was 27. And when you do that, that includes my Saturday and Sunday. I yeah. love being at my desk all day Sunday. It's my favorite day because you're so busy during the week doing stuff and interacting that my Saturday and Sunday al allows me to take all that information and write, think, put it together. So after working for my first uh, uh, 10 years, um, I decided to uh, take off for a little time. So I semi-retired at 35, uh, bought a little cabin in the woods in New Hampshire, went there, um, and did a lot of things. I don't really retire. I became a state legislator. I started a town newspaper. And then when I ran out of all my money, uh, I went back and I took over the school in this very poor town. Mm. Um, and it was known as kind of, um, one, it's one of the poorest towns in the poorest state. So was, the school was a bit out of control. Mm -hmm. So it was exciting. And uh, I took it over. And uh, six years later, they tried to fire me, just kind of... Uh, um, different political and educational philosophy. Mm. I mean, I'd done great things, uh, you know, besides the silly test scores that went up, you know, some, I forget the figures right now, but where half the kids were dropping out yes. and I cut that to like 10%, where 10% right. were going to college. Yes. I got up to 50%. That was about right for, uh, yes. um, for that place. And then, uh, I actually got the numbers. Yeah. Right. So you changed their dropout rate from 20% to 1%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the college um, matriculation improved from 10% to 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this rural area, 50% was about right because so many people um, worked in jobs with their parents, cutting wood, being a carpenter, much different than in a city where mm -hmm. um, I now, once I moved to a city, um, 80, 90% of the kids go off to school. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and there was a big, um, uh, legal case around it. It was a two years of hell. Um, but I won the case, um, and new school board came in. That's what happened. And I stayed another six years and, um, really felt that I had the, kind of voice of the community who voted these people out to continue my work. Wow. Um, and the people who didn't like me actually made me more famous. Like That's right. NBC did a movie yeah, on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I saw you know, that. I was in front of this magazine, the cover, best educator in New England, just been fired. So it backfired on them. That's right. So then I was, we were one of the first schools at school in New Hampshire for the Ted Sizer's Coalition of Essential Schools. And Ted was 
wrote this book called Horace's Compromise about what's wrong with school and how teachers always compromise. And I met him and he saw our school and said, that's great. And then my friend's school, Debbie Meyer, Central Park East, beautiful school. So we started this together. When I felt it was time to leave New Hampshire, uh, he asked me to come to Brown University, mm -hmm. where was the center of this coalition of essential schools. I came, uh, then the commissioner said, asked me and my friend Elliot, uh, would you start a high school? And uh, I said, I didn't think I was starting anymore. I'd done a couple of high schools and said, uh, yes, if we can do it exactly how we want. And Peter McWalters, probably the most progressive commissioner at the time, said yes. So we had to do it. Yeah. So that's how we created the Met. Mm -hmm. And we really closed our eyes and said, if we didn't know there was such a thing as school, what would it be? Yeah. And it wouldn't be run into classes. And, and you know, we knew that when they, this big survey, they asked high school kids one word to describe high school, they went, Boring. You got it, yes. you know, and everyone knows it and we still carry on. Uh -huh. So we said, we're going to create a place that's not boring. That is really our mantra was one student at a time, helping kids find their passion and interest, put them out in the community with people who also have that passion and grow. And yes. uh, so we did that. Um, and uh, everyone kind of laughed at us, no classes, just kids finding their passion. But we integrated the math, mm -hmm. the writing. That was our job. You know, we're running a high school and kids came in with low skills. And then at the, at the end in 2000, when uh, kids were ready to graduate, like everyone got accepted to college, a lot of scholarship money, because they had this love of learning. Yes. They wanted to continue. It wasn't like I took three science courses, I took four English courses. And that's when uh, Tom Vanderark from the Gates Foundation found us. He talked to Elliot and I, and then he said, forget you guys, let me go in the cafeteria. And we were in a public space. And... Uh, he went in there and uh hour and a half later he came out and said, I shouldn't tell this story. Here's five million bucks, give me ten of these. You know? <laughs> and uh that's how it was back in the day. Um and we created ten schools, our Detroit, Oakland, um, and then they continued to give us money from 2000 to 2010. And now we've been doing it on our own since 2010. Uh, districts come to us yeah. and they contract with us. And so now we have 70 some odd schools in the United States, another awesome. over 100 across, uh, the globe. Uh, across the globe. And as a matter of fact, uh, 30 of my teachers are going to China this summer oh, wow. to train teachers in what we do. That's great. So it's, it's all expanded. And yes. then, see, you asked me one question and I yes. carry on. No, for this the, is perfect. Okay. <laughs> then about 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago, when our schools were going good, we had a lot of great people in big picture. So um, actually what I forgot is we started the nonprofit big picture before the Met. We wanted to have, we didn't want to work through our Department of Ed because... It's hard to work with those agencies. We didn't want to work out of Brown University since it's an elite university. So we set up big picture, Elliot and I did. And then the Met was our first school. Mm. So when Gates gave us money, they gave us the Met's a public school. So we don't own it. We just ran it. So they gave it to big picture. So now big picture's expanded and they're the ones, we're the ones that run all those schools. Mm. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I felt that 
our kids do pretty well in college um, because we follow them. That's we have right. people connecting with them. When they want to quit, we have somebody there. I even put people at our local colleges mm -hmm. that are paid for by the Met. So when a kid gets like, ah, I can't do this anymore, it's got go somebody to, there yes. to support. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I know if you're poor in this country, yeah. uh, regardless of what color you are, um, you don't make it in college. Colleges aren't set up for poor kids, and especially poor kids of color. And when I looked at the data in our country, 89% of kids who started college who were poor dropped out. Mm. Only 11% graduated, and that's pathetic. That is and that ain't the student's fault, that's the college's fault. Mm. And everyone talks about, hey, students got to be college ready. My thing is colleges need to be student ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can't just say, oh, you, you don't know enough of this. Hey, you get what you get. And your job is to help educate our country. So at that point, I said, I like starting stuff. So I said, I'm going to start a college. Yeah. And you can't just start a college. So we partnered with one college so that the students could get financial aid and it was legitimate. And then I started, so we started with 18-year-olds. We took kids from around, I want to make it easy, around uh, um, the country that were in our schools. And philosophically, it was the same. It was help you find your passion, find your interest, put you out in internships, because that's the way we all learned, you know? Um, and uh, then I had a 25-year-old come to me wanting to be in college, then a 45-year-old. Then we put out a Facebook piece that said, if you start college and didn't finish, come to the Met School at night. And 78 people showed up, adults, wow. kind of demanding. I don't want to go to school with an 18-year-old. I can't go to school at 2 in the afternoon. I work full-time. I can't. So we created a college for underserved adults. Um, that took all those things in consideration. Mm -hmm. We're out one night a week for three hours. We're in a cohort that supports each other. We do the communication online. It's not an online school, <clears throat> but it's using the tools, as you talked about earlier. Um, there's food when people show up because they come right from work. There's babysitting if they have to wow. pick up their kid. Uh, we give prior learning experience. You have uh, our average age is 35. If you've done a lot, we teach people how to turn that into a course that we can give credit for. Mm -hmm. So there are exams. Uh, so many of my people speak Spanish. There's something called CLEP exams. They take them, they can get 12 hours credit. So we do everything possible to help these smart adults who got knocked out of school yeah. um, to get their degree. Because not that a bachelor's degree is everything, but... It is a way to move out of poverty. It is a way to move up in your job. Yes. So that's what we've been doing now. And then what happened was I never believe in random courses, okay? Mm -hmm. All the stuff we study needs to be connected. Um, that's how you remember. It's about, uh, you know, what's the saying? It's, uh, I don't know. It was like, I remember what I do. I I don't remember what somebody just tells me kind of thing. Yeah. So um, finally a friend said, uh, you should go it alone. Start your own, you know, like we've been partners, mm. but we still had to use people's courses and stuff. And it's almost impossible to get accredited, but we started. Mm. And uh, 
We did all our due diligence and wrote thousand page report and did the politics and got approved in Rhode Island in 2015 as the first college that got approved for 26 years. Wow. All the other colleges kept colleges out. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's kind of like got to protect themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we made it. And then we had to get this accreditation so we can get another level and then be able to get financial aid. So we got that uh, September 2018. We're in what's called in candidacy that allows us to apply for financial aid for our students. We got that in March 2019. And now our students can go online, go for their Pell Award, College Unbound comes up and get money to come to our school. Wow. That's awesome. And we get these adults out in about two, two and a half years, and we're doing it at a cost that they don't know a lot of money. So that's where I am. That's wonderful. You asked one question, I talked for 15 minutes. The, no, this is wonderful, wonderful, yeah. Wow, that is a rather thorough <laughs> introduction, so thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. No, 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 this is perfect, yeah. Um, but... You know, since our podcast is for kids and parents, so I oh, wanted yeah. to trace back a little bit yeah. about your childhood. Say, what kind of kids you were or student you were when you growing up? Yeah. So, I was a good student. I wrote a piece once. Somebody asked me to write for a book what I used to think and what I think now. And I started the article with saying, in seventh grade, I knew school was just a game. And I had a science teacher who uh, had us make pretty posters, put them up around the school, and he was a hero and it looked good. We just all opened up our encyclopedias and copied it. So it wasn't really learning, and we got we got great job, Dennis, for it. You know, I had a social studies teacher that my dad uh, worked next to a, a AAA and would bring home these travel books. I'd cut out pictures. I was a good artist. I'd draw a cover. I'd turn them in. I'd get an A for extra credit. All I did was cut out pictures. Yes. This was the seventh grade. <laughs> I knew. Um, but I was a middle-class kid that just knew I was supposed to do what I do, you know? Yeah. But I always knew from when I was 12 years old that it wasn't what learning was about. Mm. I wasn't a great learner in any other way. I was an athlete, so I played a lot of sports and did what I needed to do, yeah. you know? And, and then I had the opportunity to teach when I was a psychology graduate student in Ann Arbor and a psychology course, but I started with education. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with education? So mm-hmm. I was a good student. I knew it was bull. Um, and that's what got my interest as I got older into what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and first I was just kind of a critic. And then I said, hell, I'll do a school. So that's, that's who I was. Yeah. So what, what was the point when you realized that you wanted to put efforts or pursue education as your career? So... I never really thought about that. Really? It just kind of happened. So um, I was really a psychologist. I thought I'd... Was that your college major? 
was my college major and then my graduate school, obviously. Yeah, and you also did a PhD in psychology. Yes, I did a PhD in psychology. And there were yeah. kind of, there was this program where there are two separate PhDs. So I was more of a child development clinical psychologist. Mm. And then I kind of studied education. There were two that you did like one thesis on, but you studied in two areas. It wasn't ed psychology. And uh, so I thought I was going to be a psychologist. I worked with autistic kids. I had worked with in backwards of hospitals. That was my work. And then I got called to use some of my work in a school as like a community organizer. So I didn't really think I'd be in schools. I was just a critic of. And I got involved in schools in New York City that were cuckoo and trying to do some of my methods, training parents to work in the school. And then somebody invited me to a college to run a teacher training program. Oh, well, that's interesting because teachers aren't trained very well. So I did that. And then someone said, hey, there's a school here. You want to run? Oh, hell, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. And so that's how it happened. So I never had this. I thought I was going to be a psychology professor and a clinical psychologist for yeah. autistic kids. Yeah. And here I am. Yeah. So, so it's like the opportunity came and you just took and it. I took and I took it, yeah. yeah. And always using those skills I have. But uh, no, I never know. Got it. Yeah. So, so right now, like as you have probably done so much in educational fields, and um, what do you think that drives you? Can you share something that you really believe in? Maybe some traits or characteristics about you that you know made you um, that is really important. Yeah. yeah, for you. I guess I always um, felt for the underdog. Mm -hmm. Not that I was one, mm -hmm. but when I worked as a camp counselor, it was mm -hmm. the toughest kids mm -hmm. that kind of said, what's going on with that man? How can I help them? And this was when I was 16 years old, being yeah. a, a counselor assistant. Um, and just the unfairness of the world we live in yeah. and how kids get screwed because of where they were born, yeah. uh, the color of their skin, yeah. you know, nothing that they do. And even as a psychologist, I remember working with this group of kids that, um, that lived in the psychiatric home and weren't bad, were kind of on the edge, but they weren't treated well. Mm -hmm. You know, we went to a restaurant, they wouldn't let us in, you know. And so I, I always had that underdog piece. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked in an urban school that were trying to reform and as I say, I started out just reading all the critics and knowing that school sucked, um, but not really thinking I'll do something about it. And then I got an opportunity and I went, wow, I put together all my thoughts and actually do it. Yeah. And that just kept driving me. So it's just my, when I get angry at stuff, I don't stay angry very long. I try to turn that Take anger actions. into yeah. action, into, you know, every time I talk to a student, being an adult student at my college or a younger student, and hear how they were treated in their last school or what, you know, this one student been in and out of colleges eight times, mm -hmm. you know, no one knew his name. Um, that gets me angry, but saying, I got to do something that's right. It ain't so hard to yeah. do. So that's, that's what drives me. I mean, lucky I'm enthusiastic and I love 
my work. My work inspires me. You know, I'm getting, I get inspired talking to you about the work. Um, So I'm very lucky in that way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I know like all these schools that you built, like there's some kind of philosophy behind it that you are following as well. And in one of the interviews, you talk about the big picture philosophy. Yeah. So was that the essence that drives all the schools that you are you, you have been built and can you tell us a little bit more about the educational philosophy that you're following? Yeah, so it, it, it's not all ours. People have said it before us and mm-hmm. John Dewey said it well. Um, and when Elliot and I had the opportunity to start a new school and when I said we really closed our eyes and said, if we didn't know about school, what would it be? And it, um, and it's really about individual passions and interests. You know, it's about motivation. As a psychologist, you know that when you're motivated, you do stuff. If you're not motivated, uh, you don't. And so, we were saying, how do we, how do we help the student really feel it inside, like want to learn? I mean, the funny saying, it, it, it's so true, it's overused, but our job is to get kids and adults to want to continue to learn, to love to learn. Yeah. You know, you're only in school like 8% of your life if you go from kindergarten through college. And if you stop learning right then, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So it's how do you inspire people to be excited? Who cares about the facts? You know, I remember taking my kids someplace, my students on a train, and the conductor started quizzing the kids on their geography. Well, that's nice, but that's not what learning's about, yes. okay? Yeah. And we knew that 30 years ago. Now it's even easier. You can ask me any question I can find in five seconds. Yeah. So I don't need to know that. I need to have the, the excitement about learning. So that's yeah. what the drive. Mm-hmm. And that's what Big Picture is based on, is how do you help a kid um, help transform themselves mm-hmm. into great learners? And our, our school, our first school was not to... Oh, I'm interested in cars, not to make you an auto mechanic, not to make you a lawyer, but to put you in areas where you love right now as a 15-year-old, so you work more. And your car mechanic says, you better learn how to read if you're going to do this manual. So a kid goes back to read, or a kid working in the bank because he wanted to make money. You know, the banker says, if you don't know algebra, you ain't going nowhere, you know, and it makes sense because it's real. And Mm -hmm. so I don't care what a kid moves into. I don't care if a kid changes ideas every year. Um, it's that you have a love of learning and you've experienced the world. Yeah. So, so, so that's using, our philosophy. Using that experience to drive their learning. That's right. Yeah, that's that right. is. Yeah. So there you have the first part of the interview for Dr. Dennis Lickey. His story and knowledge expands for more than 40 years in the educational field. So it is really hard to condense it into a 30-minute podcast The most important thing, though, is that I don't want to cut out any of the great parts later. So that is it for our first part. Next week, we will be bringing in the second part of the interview where we're going to dive in a little deeper about what great leadership is in education and some of the challenges that he has gone through as well. 
So thanks, Dr. Dennis Leakey, and thanks everyone for listening to Spark, where all kids are empowered to learn, create, and become. I'm the host Lee. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Spark Creators Podcast at PeachandPlumLab.com.